I'm truly just so thankful again to be here this morning and just um, to be able to worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and I am just yeah, so filled with joy um, to be here this morning. So this week, we are in the third week um, of our series, um, To Live as Christ, To Die as Gain, and really just the third week as we've been walking through the book of Philippians. Now, this is a letter, again, that Paul wrote to the church in Philippi, a church that Paul loved And the main themes of this book, as we've talked about, are those of joy and of service. Joy in the gospel, and then the process of sanctification, and through that, becoming more and more like Christ, becoming servants of Christ. And so Dave, last week, talked to us about three big words that help us understand this process of salvation. And those were justification, sanctification, and glorification. And kind of the way that Dave described these terms for us last week um, in relation to our sin is that justification is the removal of our penalty of sin. And so every single person, as it talks about in Romans, who has ever lived has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the penalty that we all deserve for our sin is death. But Jesus Christ came, he died on the cross, and he removed the penalty of sin. For all of those who will repent and trust in him. They are justified. They no longer get what they deserve. But the penalty of their sin is removed. As Dave talked about last week. And this should fill us with tremendous joy. In knowing that we deserve death. But that that penalty is removed. And we have been given life. Christ took on that penalty. He took on the wrath of God on himself so that we could be counted as righteous. And really, the heart of what Dave talked about last week was found in verse 6, where it says that he, meaning Jesus, who began a good work in you, will bring it to completion at the day of Christ. What a promise that that is. We can never be snatched out of his hand, that those who trust in Christ can have security in Christ, and we long for the day when our salvation will be complete. And the way that, that Dave described this process of glorification in relation to our sin is that sin is no longer present. We know that our citizenship is in heaven, that the Lord will come back and he will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body. And we know that when that work is complete, sin will no longer exist in us. It will be completely removed from our presence and so we've got the penalty being removed and we've got the presence of sin being removed in the process of glorification those things will be no more he who began a good work in us will complete it at the day of jesus christ what an encouragement that that is praise the lord that we serve a god who is faithful and just to keep his promises and then that third part of salvation that Dave talked about for us last week. So we have justification, we have glorification, and in between those two things is this word sanctification. And 
really that is just the process of becoming more and more like Christ. As we are sanctified, our joy in Christ is fuller, and our obedience to serving Christ increases. Sanctification is really um, just by the power of the Spirit, we sin less. We are no longer slaves to sin, but we are slaves of Christ, and His Spirit gives us the power to conquer sin and to resist sin. And we will never do this perfectly in this life, as Dave talked about last week. But sin no longer has that same power in our lives. But through the Spirit and through communion with God, the power of sin is put to death. And we are daily being renewed and being made more like Christ. This is where all of us who call ourselves followers of Christ are in today when it comes to this process of salvation. We are all justified We're waiting for glorification, but we're all engaged in this process of sanctification, becoming more and more like Christ, pursuing sanctification, submitting ourselves as servants of Christ, and daily striving to put to death the power of sin and seeking to be more like Christ and longing for the day when our salvation is complete. And so that's primarily what was talked about last week, and so as we continue... In our study of this letter of Philippians, we are going to see how Paul, in verses 12 and 13, is not in ideal circumstances, yet the gospel remains the main focus of this man's life. Today we will see where Paul's heart is. We will see where his hope is. We will see today that what Paul cares about most is the proclamation of the gospel. He is a man who trusts in the sovereignty of God and knows that God works all things together for good for those who love Christ Jesus. Paul is not concerned with his present circumstances because for Paul to live is Christ, to die is gain. So while Paul's alive, he is concerned with one thing and one thing only, and that is the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the central focus of Paul's life. It is the proclaiming and the advancement of the gospel. And Paul wants the church in Philippi to know this. Paul wants each of us here today that are reading this letter to know that the central focus of his lives and what he desires to be the central focus of our lives is the proclamation and the advancement of the gospel. He wants us to know that the inconveniences that we experience in life are truly a means that God uses to spread the kingdom of God. God truly does work all things together for good. And so regardless of our circumstances, Paul wants us to preach Christ. So I'm going to pray for us this morning, and then we're going to dig into just these two short verses where really Paul just wants us to know that regardless of our circumstances, Preach the gospel. That is really the heart of the message this morning, is that regardless of your circumstances, where you find yourself today, Paul wants to exhort you. Preach the word of Christ. See God work in the midst of suffering, in the midst of of circumstances, for the advancement of his kingdom. And so I'm going to pray for us this morning, and then we're going to dig into Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. Let us pray. Father, again, we just, um, Lord, we thank you. We praise you for today. We thank you, Lord, that we are no longer dead in our trespasses and sins, but that you have made us alive together in 
Christ. Father, I know that each one of us here is bearing burdens that are too heavy for us to bear on our own. Lord, that we are just, God, that we, there is suffering. There is just things in this life that are not ideal as a result of the sin of the world, as a result of the fall. But Father, we know that you are reconciling all things to yourself, that even in the midst of our present circumstances, Lord, that you are at work sanctifying us, Lord, and giving us opportunities to be ambassadors for you, to allow your gospel to be known to the ends of the earth. And Father, for that, we rejoice. God, I pray this morning that you would recenter our hearts on you, Father, that our supreme focus of our lives would be on the gospel. Father, help us to be reminded of that this morning. God, help us to be reminded that we were enemies of you, that we were dead in our sins, and that our destination was eternal damnation in hell. But Father, you, in your grace and in your mercy, God, you saved us. You sent your son, Jesus Christ, so that we can have life in you. And Father, for that, we praise you. Help us to be faithful proclaimers of the good news of the gospel to the ends of the earth this morning. Father, continue to renew our hearts daily. God, I thank you so much again for these brothers and sisters in Christ and just the joy that they bring me. God, the joy that it is to worship together through song, through prayer, through just fellowship. God, I'm just so thankful for each one of these brothers and sisters in Christ. Christ. And it's in Jesus' precious name that we pray. Amen. So again, two short verses this morning. I will be in Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. So if you have your Bibles, I'll give you just a moment to turn there, and then we'll dig into this passage this morning. Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 13. <clears throat> I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. So Paul starts us off here with verse 12. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Paul is not focused on the circumstance that he finds himself in. Paul's primary focus in our passage today and in his whole life is how is the gospel doing? What conviction this has brought to my heart this week. I have been so caught up. Many things that have happened to me this week that have caused frustration that have brought me hardship. And when someone else has asked me how I am doing, I have dwelled on the things that have just been frustrating all week. I have been dwelling on my present circumstances in trouble. I have not boasted in the grace of God and the ways that he is sanctifying me. I have not boasted in the fact that despite my circumstances, that God is using that to give me opportunities to preach Christ. And because of that, because of my selfishness, because of my sinfulness, I am sure that I have missed opportunities to preach the gospel this week. Paul, however, in our passage, is not focused on himself, but rather he is focused on one thing, and that is the gospel. He may mention his imprisonment, but not to seek pity. 
he talks about it because God and his sovereignty is using the chains of Paul to expand the kingdom of God and the proclamation of the word. Paul's entire life has one focus, and that is Christ and the gospel. He has submitted himself fully as a slave to Christ, willing to do whatever it is that Christ asks him to do, regardless of the outcome, regardless of the circumstances. And Paul knows that nothing that happens to him is outside of the control of the all-powerful, omnipotent, sovereign creator of the universe, Jesus Christ. He knows that God is orchestrating every single event in Paul's life for his own glory and so that the gospel will be proclaimed to those who do not know Christ. And so we find ourselves here this morning, Paul again, focused not on himself but on the gospel. And so one of the main reasons that Paul writes this letter to the church of Philippi is because Philippi, the church, sent a man named Epaphroditus to Rome, to where Paul is, in order to see how Paul is doing, in order to send him gifts and to see how he is doing, because they know that he is in prison. But Paul is not concerned with how he is doing. He says in verse 12, I want you to know, brothers, that God is using my imprisonment for the advancement of the gospel. Paul is concerned with telling them how the gospel is doing. How concerned are you? How concerned am I with how the gospel is advancing here on the south end of Columbus? Are we focused solely on the interest of others or on ourselves? How often do we share the gospel? How often do we even think about sharing the gospel? Do we ever think about sharing the gospel or share the gospel? Or are all of our thoughts wrapped up in making our lives as easy as and comfortable as possible? Do we only care about ourselves? If we truly focused today and reflected back on just our life, on the past week, is it marked by gospel proclamation and by glorifying God? Or is it marked by selfish ambition and desires? Paul cares little for himself and much for the gospel message. The gospel is advancing in Rome, and so Paul rejoices despite his circumstances. And I have to even think that Paul has more than just his present imprisonment in mind when he is writing this letter. If you read the book of Acts, verses, or, uh, chapters 21 through 28, which I would encourage every single one of you this week, go back this week, read Acts 21 through 28, and you will see Paul's journey to where he presently is today in Rome. And I'll give you a quick overview of even that passage today. Um, but in chapter 21, Paul goes to the city of Jerusalem. He does nothing wrong. He is just going there to be encouraged and to worship God. And he is beaten. He's arrested. He's bound. There are angry mobs of people trying to kill him. And he's not given any type of real trial. There is no justice being sought after. Rather, the officials that are overseeing his case are seeking bribes from Paul. They're keeping him in prison in order to gain favor with the Jewish people. Paul spends essentially two whole years in prison for no reason at all. He's done nothing wrong at all, continually being falsely accused. But God truly is sovereign. What seems meaningless from a worldly perspective has great meaning in the kingdom of God. 
in the midst of Paul's imprisonment, God gives Paul countless opportunities to proclaim Christ to thousands of people, including kings and governors. Paul does not wallow in his self-pity at the injustices that are happening to him. No, he trusts God and he preaches Christ. He knows that God is working. If you read Acts, he is brought before all of these different leaders so that they can hear why he is in prison. And he never wastes an opportunity. He uses each of these instances to share his testimony and to preach Christ. I have to think that Paul has this in mind when he writes to the brothers in Philippi that everything that has happened to me has truly served to advance the gospel. But finally, after those two years, Paul is fed up. He is fed up with the injustice that's occurring to him. He's fed up with all of these false accusations. And as a Roman citizen, he appeals to Caesar. He is getting no fair trial in Jerusalem. He's being kept there without any really hope of, of leaving. And so as a Roman citizen, he uses his right to appeal to Caesar, and he is sent to Rome. And so now Paul embarks on a long journey of over 2,000 miles from Jerusalem to Rome. And on the way there, he's with many men, he's with Roman soldiers, and doubtless God uses that opportunity for Paul to preach the gospel to those men. And while they're on the way there, they're shipwrecked. And they all make it safely spare to this island in the midst of shipwreck. And the moment that Paul gets there, despite his life being spared, the lives of 276 men being spared, the moment that Paul gets on this island, he's bitten by a snake. And everybody on this island thinks that Paul's going to die. But miraculously, nothing happens to him. And instead of that, Paul is brought before the chief's father, and he heals him, as well as everybody else on that island who has sickness. Paul heals them because he is miraculously put there, shipwrecked on this island, despite all the injustice that's happening to him in Jerusalem, being sent to Rome, shipwrecked on an island, bitten by a snake. Paul uses this opportunity to preach the word of God, and hundreds, if not thousands, come to know Christ. I am sure that Paul had this in mind as he writes this letter and says that everything that has happened to him has truly served to advance the gospel. False imprisonment, shipwreck, being bitten by a snake, all of it, none of it is outside the control of our sovereign God. And he uses these afflictions for his glory and for the furtherance of the gospel. So with that, knowing that God is all-sovereign, all-knowing, all-controlling, that he is in control of every detail of the universe, woe to us for being grumblers. Woe to us for being complainers. Every single one of us who is in Christ was an enemy of God. We hated God, is what the word says. We were enemies of Christ, but God who is merciful and gracious and forgiving saved us while we were yet sinners. We deserved hell, eternal punishment for our sin against a holy God, but God gives us nothing of what we deserve. He gives us life, and the word says that he works all things together for good for those who love Christ Jesus and have been called according to his purpose. That is what the Bible says. The Bible is the source of truth. It is the word of God. Therefore, that statement is truth. God works every circumstance in your life 
for his good and for your good. Every single thing that happens to you, God uses to sanctify you and to advance the gospel message to the ends of the earth. So let us rejoice when trial comes. Let us do nothing with grumbling or disputing. Brothers and sisters, we know that from the testimony of Paul that trials and tribulations can and often do lead to the advancement of the gospel. So woe to me for being a complainer this week. Woe to me for being a grumbler. And woe to any of you if you reflect on your past week, examine your lives, and find yourself to be the same. If you truly reflected back on this past week, how many times have you complained and grumbled about trivial things that are temporary and don't matter at all? How many times have you grumbled and you were probably justified in doing so? Regardless of the circumstance, Paul says do nothing with grumbling or disputing. And even in the midst of that, I'm sure that there are days that Paul was in prison that he grumbled. But largely, Paul rejoiced in his chains because they were sovereignly ordained by God for the advancement of the gospel. Think about the last time that you had the opportunity to share the gospel. Think about everything that happened to you to put you at that place, at that moment in time with that specific person. For me, it was here at Stowe this last week, and to not even go into the details of all of that, there are literally millions of things that have happened in my life that have placed me in that precise moment at that precise time in order to share the message of hope to this individual. None of those things are outside of the control of God, but they are sovereignly ordained so that I could sit there in that moment and share the gospel with that individual. And I want you to know, brothers and sisters today, that me being there in that moment has truly served to advance the gospel, just as it did to Paul. His present imprisonment was the means to which God advanced the gospel message. I promise you that if you are bold to preach Christ this week, when you look back, you will be able to say the same. My hope today is that we would all have the same mind as Paul and of Christ. They both suffered greatly, but ultimately their suffering produced hope in them and it produced salvation for hellbound sinners. And so I want to be clear that we as Christians can and we should rejoice in suffering at times, but that does not mean that we go out and seek out suffering. We should know, though, that the result of living in a fallen world is that suffering will come. It is inevitable. So we should not be caught off guard when it does, but rather when it does come, we know it's expected and we can rejoice at the expectation of how God is going to use that suffering in order to proclaim and advance his gospel. And also, I want to be clear that suffering in and of itself does not just advance the gospel. The gospel must be proclaimed by somebody. Romans says, how will anybody hear if nobody preaches? Paul preached the word despite his suffering, and the result of that is that thousands of imperial soldiers and everybody else who knew of Paul's imprisonment knew that it was for Christ. 
Verse 13 in our passage today says that what happened to Paul has advanced the gospel, and now it is known throughout the entire imperial guard and to all of the rest that his imprisonment is for Christ. The whole imperial guard was probably eight to 9,000 men. And then it says all of the rest, literally thousands of people, because of God sovereignly allowing Paul to be placed in prison, now know the gospel and know that Paul is in chains for Christ. Paul's preaching the word, Paul's response to his suffering and the power of the spirit of God opened up the hearts of the hearers and that is what advanced the gospel. But there must be proclamation. Paul was chained to a Roman soldier for over two years. But he used this opportunity that God gave him to continually preach the word. People were able to visit him in prison. And Paul used this opportunity to preach the word. Everybody who was around him knew that his imprisonment was for Christ. And he used every opportunity He used his suffering to preach the word and to preach it with power. And so church, I ask you this morning, do you preach the word? And I'm not just talking about what I'm doing up here, although this is called preaching, but rather do you just in your day to day as you run into individuals, Do you tell them everything that God has done for you? When is the last time that you have done that? That you have told somebody everything that Jesus Christ has done for you in giving you salvation. The central focus of Paul's life was the proclamation of the gospel. And he wants all of the saints in Philippi and all of the saints in all of the churches and all of history to know and to seek the same mindset. Paul wants us, despite our circumstances, to be proclaimers of the gospel. And with that, our circumstance, where we were before we trusted in Christ, is far worse than what any of you, what I am going through today. Our circumstance before we knew Christ is far worse than anything that you will ever go through in this life and that you are going through right now. The Bible says, as I've already talked about, that we were enemies of Christ, enemies of the all-powerful God of the universe. And what does God do to his enemies? He crushes them, he punishes them, and he condemns them to hell forever. Everything that you are going through right now is temporary. But your circumstance before Christ showed you mercy was hopeless, and you were bound to burn in the hell, in the fires of hell for eternity. Literally trillions upon trillions of years of suffering that has no end. That was our circumstance before Christ. But praise be to God that in his love and mercy that he has saved us. And that that is no longer our fate. That is no longer our circumstance. But it is the circumstance of billions of people around the world. Paul wants us to know that the exact circumstances that we are going through right now, that those are not by accident and that they are temporary. And that God is allowing those circumstances, he is allowing that suffering 
as a means to which his gospel can advance to the kingdom of, or to the world, and so that we can be sanctified, so that we can be made more like Christ, so that as we go through life, as difficult things happen, our strength and our trust in Christ will grow, and that is an incredible thing. For some of us here, I know that we are going through painful sickness, painful disease, and that is a result of living in a fallen world. But God and his sovereignty and his goodness is using that disease so that you can preach Christ to a nurse, to a doctor who has no hope apart from Christ. You may get in a car crash this week, or someone might run into your car and total it. And yes, while that sucks, it's also just a hunk of metal that is ultimately going to burn up someday. Just like everything else that we have in this world. So who cares? It is my greatest prayer for every single one of you here today that your hope would not be found in the things that we have, in material things, but that your hope would be set on Christ. I pray that just in light of that, that we would be the most generous church in the world. I pray that as each one of us truly understands that in the end, all of these things are going to burn up when Christ returns, that we can take nothing with us to heaven. I pray that we would trust in God more and more as a result of that, and that that would just cause us to be so generous. I pray that we would know that God will provide for our every need, our every need according to his riches in Christ Jesus. And that we would just live a life of radical generosity as a result of that. So who cares? <laughs> who cares if you get into a car crash? Your car is going to be destroyed someday. And God is giving you an opportunity through that to show mercy to whoever hits you. He is giving you an opportunity to live for him, to make the gospel the central focus of your life. To preach the word to the person who hits you. To preach the word to whoever you're going to buy your car from next. To preach the word that when you go to the license plate, or when you go to the DMV to get a new license plate, that you're going to have an opportunity to talk to a human being who probably does not know Christ, and he is giving you an opportunity to preach the word. To preach the word because a new vehicle you just got is a piece of trash, you have to go to a repair shop, but there is a person there who needs to hear the gospel. To preach the word and to take part in helping rescue condemned sinners from the pits of hell. Or if you don't have a car, let us rejoice that you take the bus every day. That God has given us public transportation and that through that, every single day that you take that bus, you get to sit next to an individual who probably does not know Christ. And you get to share the message of the gospel. Every single thing that happens in your life, God can use and will use if you will just allow him to, if you will just be obedient to preaching the words that his gospel can be advanced. As Josh has talked about more, multiple times, every single one of us who is in Christ are portable temples of the living God. His spirit dwells in you, so where you go, God goes. Those who are close to you are not far from God, because they are near to you. I could literally go on forever and ever at the opportunities that we have every single day to preach the word because of the circumstances that we find ourselves in. 
you may have neighbors who are not pleasant people to be around, who are mean, who are hostile. And I understand that while that is not an easy thing, it also isn't exactly easy for Paul to be imprisoned for four years for really no good reason. It isn't easy for Paul to be beaten time and time again, for Paul to have a thorn in the flesh, for Paul to be shipwrecked multiple times. This world is not easy. Suffering will come, but you have been placed where you live by God. Paul has been placed in prison by God to preach the word. And so my prayer for us this morning and Paul's desire for the church is that the gospel would be the central focus of our lives. That the preaching of the word would consume us. That if someone asks us how we are doing, we wouldn't lie to them. But we would tell them, and we would tell them, even the crappy situations that every single one of us is dealing with. But that we would also rejoice and be filled with joy because of the opportunity that God is giving us in the midst of that circumstance to preach the gospel. Let us use every circumstance, every moment for the glory of God and for the gospel. And Paul will go on later in this letter to say, he will call us to do no to do nothing, or to later to do all things without grumbling or disputing. And the reason, um, and he says this, sorry. He says this, he says to do all things without grumbling and disputing because the world is filled with people who grumble and dispute. The reason that Paul was different is because Paul did not grumble or dispute about his chains. Rather, he knew and he trusted that God placed him there and he was going to be obedient no matter the circumstance he found himself in. He knew that God is a God who works all things together for good for those who love Christ Jesus. So church, let us be a church that follows the example of Paul. Truly, this week, every time that something happens to you that sucks, instead of complaining, instead of running to someone, telling them about that situation in order to seek pity, ask yourself, how is God using this circumstance right here to sanctify me? How is God using this circumstance to advance the gospel? Is there someone in front of me right now as a result of this thing that has just happened that needs to know that Christ is more, is more important than my circumstances, than my sickness, than my financial loss, that Christ is more important than my life. Ask yourself these things this week. Reflect on these things. Allow your focus to shift not to what happens to you, but to focus on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Remind yourself daily of the grace that you have been shown and show that grace to others. Proclaim the grace, proclaim the grace that God offers through the gospel. This is what it looks like to look not to the interest of yourself, but to the interest of others. This is what it looks like to be a servant of Christ. This is what it looks like to truly live for Christ and to understand that death is gain. And I promise you that if we begin to live our life this way, that we will experience no greater joy. And so again, every time that something happens to you this week that is inconvenient, instead of complaining, instead of running to seek pity, ask yourself, how is God using this circumstance to sanctify me? 
how is God using this circumstance to further the gospel? Who has God placed in my life right now in this moment that needs to hear the gospel? And let us join in with Paul at telling the brothers and sisters in Christ how God is using our lives for the advancement of the gospel. Let us pray. Father, again, we just, we thank you and we praise you for today. Lord, I know that this message, God, that you have given through your word this morning is not an easy thing. But Lord, this is what you require of all of your people, Lord. You require them to leave everything behind and to pursue you, to pursue the gospel. So, Father, I pray that every single person that is here this morning, Lord, that you would strengthen them by your spirit. Lord, we see countless times in the scriptures that you use the suffering of the saints for the glory of God and for the salvation of souls. And so, Lord, as Paul allows himself to be poured out as an offering for the sakes of believers, Father, I pray that each one of us here today would be willing to lay down our lives for the gospel, that we would die to ourselves daily and that we would live for you. Father, I pray that you would give us supernatural boldness to preach Christ no matter the cost, no matter the circumstance, no matter the ridicule that we may receive. Father, remind us of the hope that we have in you. Remind us, Lord, that you have started a work in us and that you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Father, help us to have an eternal perspective. Help us to rejoice in our suffering because through suffering, Lord, you produce in us hope and you use suffering and the proclamation of the word to advance the kingdom of God. Father, help us to rejoice in looking to the interest of others. Help us to be bold and faithful to preach Christ. In Jesus' precious name that we pray.